Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. So this, um, this week as I was preparing, you know, I talked with Dave Lippman in the office, our office manager, and uh, he's right over there. And I was telling him the title, and he said, oh, oh, that's one of my favorite songs. I know the, I, I have a song. You should listen to the song. It would be great. And I'm like, I have, haven't really told you much about the sermon. How do you know it would be great? So I listened to the song. It's awesome. We're going to listen to it. But let me read this little portion from the author of the song that helps set up um, the video that we'll show. The author of this song, Be Kind to Yourself. I was driving home from the studio one night, thinking about my little girl, Skye, who was 12 years old and just precious and sweet and also really emotional. Like a lot of girls her age, she's going through changes and she had a night where she was upset about something. I saw a turn happen where whatever she was upset about turned inward. She was no longer upset about something else, but she was upset with and hard on herself. I remember being her age, and I only remember being the age I am now and not liking myself very much, thinking, if only God had made me different, I wouldn't annoy my friends as much. I can be really hard on myself. Seeing it happen with her, it really broke my heart. I was talking with her and told her she needs to be kind to herself, and I prayed with her. When I came to bed, my wife said she hoped I'd paid attention to the words I said to Skye because that's what she's saying to me all the time. It was this beautiful moment where I think God ambushed me with this song I wrote for my daughter. I sang it for her, and we both cried, and all of a sudden I felt God saying to me, pay attention to the love I have for my daughter because that's the love he has for me only infinitely more. It turned into a song that God was using to speak to me about his love, as well as for me to speak to my daughter about my love for her. You got all that emotion that's heaving like an ocean And you're drowning in a deep, dark well I can hear it in your voice that if you only had a choice You would rather be anyone else I love you just the way that you are I love the way you made your precious heart Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself I know it's hard to hear it when that anger in your spirit is pointed like an arrow at your chest. When the voices in your mind are anything but kind and you can't believe your father knows best. I love you just the way that you are. I love the way he's shaping your heart. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself well, How does it end when the war that you're in is just you again? 
you against you you gotta learn to love learn to love learn to love your enemies too you can't expect to be perfect it's a fight you gotta forfeit you belong to me whatever you do so lay down your weapon, darling, take a deep breath and believe that I love you. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. up here and try and preach after that. Let's pray. God, that stirs my heart. Um, I don't always love myself. And I sense there's people in here, I know people in here, we struggle with that. But without a question, without a doubt, you love us deeply. You can see that dad looking at his daughter. Loves her. Wants the best for her. But sometimes we get in our own way. Help us this morning as we look at your word, as we would uh, listen to you and be attentive to you, what, what you're saying to us. Um, help us to be kind to ourselves. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks a lot, Dave. <laughs> Wasn't that a great song? So helpful. Um, I'm lost. Where are we? So we're in a series called Trusting Leadership, and there's, a, there's kind of two angles on this sermon series. There's one is we look at our church because we want to be healthy as a church, we want to grow as a church, and so establishing our leadership in a way that not only do we pick good leaders and we behave as good leaders, but that we'd be able to care for people as our church grows. Um, so that's part, part A, is focusing on leadership and what does it mean to be a good leader, what kind of leaders does God call to our church, the attributes we said, first and foremost, the leader's got to be friends with God. And last week was we've got to be friends with one another. And today, we've got to be friends with ourselves. We've got to be kind to ourselves. You, you can't just be a martyr and neglect yourself and, and care for everybody else. And you can't be. You can't be a healthy leader if you don't have some measure of self-care. So we're looking at that today for that reason. But it's also, it seems each one of these issues for leaders certainly apply to all of us in the church, whether you're serving as a leader right now or not. Um, last week, we heard, hey, it's important that we are friends, we are, we are serving as good friends, and we need good friends. And everybody knows it's important for all of us to be friends with God. Those are trends, you know, that are topics that fit everybody. And today's does too. It's important that we cut ourselves some slack, right? Give ourselves some grace, and it's not always easy to do. But we'll wrestle with that. So that's kind of the point of today's message is to not only understand and grow in our, um, our, the way we do leadership and how we look at leaders and how we pick our leaders and how we follow our leaders, but also just look at ourselves and look at each one of these topics. Um, 
in terms of, of, of being healthy personally. Now, um, the author of that song actually wrote a piece in here that's really helpful in terms of this topic, and I thought I'd read that too. Um, he said, I was nervous when I wrote that song that people may misunderstand the message. Jesus tells us that in order to save our lives, we need to lose our lives, and that loving others is first is the principle. I think there's a very clear distinction between self-hatred and self-love. It's about just being kind to yourself instead of having a selfish love. So that's kind of where we're coming. This isn't a sermon about us making ourselves the most important and you know, caring for ourselves in a selfish way, self-serving in a way, but, but at the same time, you got to be a good steward of, of what God's given you and who you are. Self-care is not necessarily selfish care. So I, I came away with four types, and if you look in your notes, they're listed there, four types of kindness to yourselves, or four ways that you can be kind to yourselves, and I'll just walk through those. There's scripture attached to each one, and see if they don't resonate um, in your life, in the life of our leaders. The first one is about rest, and I don't know, about a week and a half, is, is Janet here? There she is, right there. I'm going to read a little email from her, and I asked her permission but she sent an email. She's had some physical challenges, and she sent an email to people that are praying for her and just kind of want to know about what's going on in her life. And it was a great email. I read this thing, and I'm like, this is the sermon. <laughs> I should just read her email. This is the sermon that I was working on that was coming up pretty soon. And she talked about uh, different ways that she's caring for herself and different things that she's excited about doing and, and kind of gave an update. And she closed her email with this uh, couple of sentences that I want to read to us. And she said, in order to do these things, I'm committed to, and to have time for exercise and play and caring for my health, I need to pull back on some of my usual activities. Now catch this. This is not easy for me, but I'm trying to be faithful to the Lord's call on my life. See, there's the top notch. Not necessarily even caring for yourself, but I'm trying to be faithful to the Lord's call in my life. In order to do that, you got to care for yourself right? You might have to cut some things out. And she listed all those things that are important to have, but she's, she's, wrestling, she's wrestling with that. And I just was like, this is exactly what God's wanting to say to our church, this very thing that Janet is wrestling with. Good job, Janet. Thank you. <laughs> she's like, not me. This is probably uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. It's a passage that as I bring it up in, in preparation of the message this week, I think, this passage, I maybe have read this passage more than any other passage, certainly top five of the passages that as I preach, this one pops out again and again. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle in heart, I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And then my burden is light. How do you find rest? He says he'll give us rest. And then he goes on to say, ah, you will find rest. Then if we flip to Hebrews um, chapter 4, it's a passage a lot about on um, rest, God's rest that he gives us. 4 verse 9, it says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Listen to this, verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, 
so that no one may be no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. How do you strive to find his rest? The word strive and rest in the same sentence, right? How do you find rest? I'm going to be busy looking for rest. What about just in, in both of those passages, it says, I will give you rest. I think that's salvation where God rescues us through faith in Jesus Christ, that we have this eternal rest. We have this ongoing relationship with God where we're in rest, but then he directs us to go find it. He directs us to strive that's energy. So what is it? How do we strive to find rest? First idea, ask Janet. <laughs> Second one, she's wrestling with this. Second one, and I've also taught on this before as well, get some sleep. Get some sleep. Our culture is, is I continue to find more and more articles. I found one uh, yesterday. Get more sleep. Kids need between, um, it was between 9 and 12 hours of sleep. 9 and 12, and newborns are up like to 14, although if you're a parent of a newborn, you're like, they don't sleep when I sleep. <laughs> and then even when you get older, older adults, they said they need at a minimum seven to nine hours of sleep. That's what we need to get. And if you're not rested, just a simple act of sleeping, you can't be effective. Be kind to yourself. Get some rest. There's a book that's um, pretty popular right now. It's one of those books, you know, I would say every five or ten years there's books that are just really popular in our Christian culture that really resonate with this. This book is going to be that one. It sort of is. If we can put a picture of this book um, by the author, this guy named John Mark Comer. He's a pastor up in uh, Portland area, and he actually would come down to the church that I was at, um, at Rock Harbor, and he would preach there sometimes. Great preacher, um, great podcast, but he wrote this book, I want to say, within the last year. And there's podcasts that you can go along with it. But it's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, John Orpberg did the forward on it. And they've met quite a bit talking about this. But the, the word in there, you know, titles make a big deal. Ruthless. And one of the things he talks about, he's pretty current in our, in our generation. And he, he talks to people about how much they use their cell phones. And this guy, I think he actually switched to a flip phone. Because his cell, and he's at a big church, really busy, important guy. And he realized that it was stealing a lot of joy in his life. So he got a flip phone that he just answers on occasion, you know. He's a little harder to get to. He's realizing if we go backwards in technology, it can help us because our lives are so compacted. So if this, if this is an area where you need to grow in, in rest, read that book. My daughter Sierra's read it. And she's like, you got to read this book, Dad. You got to read this book. And I've read reviews and listened to podcasts, but I'm too busy to read it, right? <laughs> Amen. But I, I thought, I'm too busy to read it, but I'm still going to say I need to read it, and you need to read it too. Put it on your list of things to do. Ruthless. Imagine if today the 49ers went out there to play, and they were just exhausted because they'd been practicing so hard. You know, maybe even this morning they were just running drills and running drills, and then the game time started, and they were exhausted. It wouldn't even be close. It would not even be close. And we could list a sport after sport after sport where if they don't rest, they could never perform. In fact, the leading edge, they call it almost the performance-enhancing drug, sleep, rest, taking workouts off. you got to work out really, really hard, but you also got to rest a ton. I think Michael Phelps was sleeping like 12 hours a night or something, and he's won the most gold medals because he, he worked out a ton, but he was heavily rested. I'd go so far to say if we're not rested, it's a sin. 
If you're hurrying all the time, if you're always 10 minutes behind, if you've just got too much to do, I don't think God's called you to that life. There are seasons and moments where we're hurried and rushed and when we can still be perfectly in God's will. I get that. But if it's a lifestyle, I, don't, I think you're missing the mark. I think I'm missing the mark. If I'm living like that, it's not the sins that we feel so terrible about that we, oh, I would never do that. But so many in our culture miss the mark by being exhausted, by rushing, by being, you know, not sleeping well. There's all kinds of health things if you don't sleep enough. You get all kinds of sickness. You're, I won't go on and on. I'm passionate about that. But um, rest, get this, it may be the most dependent, the most godly posture you could have in your life. Like when you're sleeping, you're most vulnerable and you're not getting anything done. Actually, science tells us our brain is figuring out some riddles while we sleep, which is nice. But when you're sleeping, guess who's working? God is. Amen. Why didn't you people know that? Come on. <laughs> Takes a child sometimes. When we're sleeping, think of that. It's a form of worship. It's a form of saying, God, you're God and I'm not. Good night. Right? It's such a good posture of what God wants from us, to rest. Be kind to yourself. Rest. Be kind to yourself, rest. Second one, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. This is Theology 101. There is therefore now... No, a little bit? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Set free, off the hook. You're a fish, you got caught. You're a bird caught in a snare. Let go, fly freely, swim freely. Have a great, great life. 1 John 1.9 says, um, you got it. I want to read it right because this is poetic. If we confess our sins, meaning agree with God, he is faithful, do it every time, and he's just, it's fair because of He's doing this, and his son is covering for us. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us, not only forgive him, but cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's the fact, Jack. You confess your sins. There's no condemnation. You're free. You don't need to bring up anything else. However, we don't always forgive ourselves, do we? We think, I do this, we think in my mind, I got to behave a certain way or, you know, I got to fix that area of my life and then I'll be okay. And so we put effort into this and uh, it, there's no place. You cannot earn your forgiveness. Can't earn it. In fact, C.S. Lewis has a quote. If this doesn't knock you on your, your tail, I don't know what will. If you can't forgive yourself, but God has forgiven you, which I just read as clear as day from scripture, God forgives us then you are setting yourself up as a higher tribunal than God himself. Uh-oh, well, I don't want to do that. You're, so you're, you know more than God. Your standards are higher than God. If you can't forgive yourself. So we do this. I want to give us grace, but there's no grace, really. You got to forgive yourself. Otherwise, you're making yourself God, higher than God. That's a hard pill to swallow for some of us, is that we, we have some area of our life or some past memory, and we just hold on to it. We don't Take the hook out. We don't release ourselves. Be kind to yourself and forgive yourself because God forgives you. He's faithful and just to do it. There's another side of that coin is that sometimes 
We don't forgive other people. Again, that's setting a higher standard. Same kind of mistake. In fact, lack of forgiveness, they say it's like you've put yourself in a jail of bitterness and you're holding the key. You could let yourself out. You're miserable because you won't forgive somebody else or something else. And, and Jesus says, if you don't forgive, the Father in heaven won't forgive you. Those are Jesus' words. So forgive yourself, forgive other people. Be kind to yourself and forgive. Be kind to yourself and play. Play? You could, you could insert a couple different words, diversion, celebration, recreation. Sometimes we, we take our lives so serious or even take our Christian faith so serious that we shouldn't be having any fun, and that's the lie. Now, I'm not saying fun should be all the time. In fact, the passage, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 1 to 8, that's where it says there's a time for everything. There's a time for fun. There's a time to celebrate, a time to recreate. In fact, the Hebrews had a bunch of feasts regularly. They would, you know, their seriousness to them too, but they were like, let's get away, and they would have a good time. They would stop normal life, and they would celebrate. They would have a good time. And, and some of their fun, even though it's in the, the context of a feast, some of it's just fun. They get to see relatives. They travel. They're sleeping out in makeshift tents, <laughs> these little shelters. They're having a good time. The feast they were celebrating, it's good. It's good for us to have a good time just is. In fact, Hebrews, uh, I mean, uh, Philippians 4, 11 to 3, is a passage we all know, but I don't know if we think of it in this context, is um, that we can do all things through Christ, who gives us strength. Let me find the passage. Didn't mark this one. Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Oh, you probably had it up there, sorry. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned that whatever situation, I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We tend to focus that passage on when I'm in want, when things are bad, when I don't have the, when I'm weak, that God can give me the strength. Well, it also says you can thrive, you can do it when things are good, when we have a lot. And so we should be able to enjoy God's blessings. It's not bad to enjoy God's blessings. And some, one of the best ways to enjoy God's blessing, I know for me, is just go have a good time. Sometimes, you know, maybe Christians get a bad rap because we're so serious we don't have fun. We should be having fun. It's a reflection of God's goodness and it's a celebration. He's blessed you many times so you'd have a good time. Now, life's not only about having a good time. I get that. But go have a good time. Go have fun. It's good to enjoy God's blessings and enjoy life. I know some seasons of life, we can't. We don't. It's just, it's just not fun. I, I get that. But there are some seasons of life where we should really celebrate and open up and have a good time. What kind of types of fun come to mind? I was in a a conference I told you about up at Mount Hermon, a pastor's conference, and one of the pastors, uh, a pretty big church, uh, multiple campuses, he says, you know what I do for fun? I go play golf. And I'm like, ah, oh, I love to play golf. But here's why he said why. He says, when I step foot on the golf course, the first hole, I forget about everything else. I don't think about church. I don't think about problems. I just think about hitting that ball 
inbounds, hopefully, and he just plays the whole round. He says, I have a great time. And the value wasn't just in having fun. The value was forgetting. It's important that we forget about things, right? Because then we come back full and refreshed and renewed to go back into the thing. He loves being a pastor. He's a very good pastor. He's got to not be a pastor sometimes. And he found out that one of the fun things for him that takes his mind off it is to play golf. Maybe going for a hike in the forest. Um, travel can be one of those things where we have fun because you meet people, you eat food, you see different places, you learn about culture. You, it's an adventure. It's good to do that to take your mind off or just enjoy in a different setting. It's important in order to do well. Like That's what I said about athletics. If they did the workouts every day all the time, they would break down. They wouldn't recover. We've got to stop. We've got to pause. You have to have these rhythms of play or rhythm, rhythms of celebration or relaxation. Be kind to yourself, play. Be kind to yourself, play. Now the last one, be kind to yourself, live life with God, emphasis on with, is kind of a catch-all. Because I wasn't going to be able to come up with a list of all the ways for you to be kind to yourself. You, you probably have things that are coming to your mind that aren't on my list. I just thought rest is important, forgiveness is really important, and I just like to play. That's the kind of person I am. But I think those are important. But this one really does a great job. John 15, we don't read the whole chapter, but the whole point is that apart from him you can do nothing. And the invitation is do life with Jesus. Abide in the vine. Be connected to Jesus. In fact, John 16, 7 is the part that talks about Jesus saying, hey, if I don't go away, the helper won't come to you. God himself as his spirit will live inside of you. So as a follower of Christ, you have God in, inside of you as his spirit, but we don't always pay attention. And so the invitation, if you're going to be kind to yourself, here's what you do. Listen for his promptings, his nudging. Just like that dad singing to the daughter, listen to your dad because he'll help you be kind to yourself. Hey, you know, put an idea in your head. Hey, you know what? You should go for a walk. Why don't you stop at Starbucks and treat yourself to a, one of your fancy coffees? Yes. Right on, Drew. Be kind to yourself and listen to the Spirit. In fact, I think it was at the Transfiguration when Peter was, was uh, saying, oh, we should build a, a, a um, tent for these, for Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And he was kind of off base there, but Jesus was transfigured, like he's showing who he really is. And the Father speaks. And the Father's, you know, hey, this is my son. But what is one of the key things he says, and I, I kind of have the vision, this is maybe just me, of the Heavenly Father kind of, you know, Jesus is doing most of the talking with the disciples, but occasionally, a few times, the father steps in and kind of as a fatherly, was like, listen to him, right? Jesus seems like he's a little nicer posture. He's telling these things, and the father says, hey, listen to him. If nothing else, listen to him. And that's what this portion of, of be kind to yourself is listen to him. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' spirit. Listen to him. Be kind to yourself. Live life with God. I was hoping this message this morning would be a source of encouragement. There's always correction when we hear scripture because if we're off base, but I was hoping this morning that you'd come here and you wouldn't hear a condemnation, but that you'd hear a freedom to release yourself, to be kind to yourself, to enjoy God's good blessings. So maybe there's some areas that you're off, but they're 
it's kind of like, hey, there's a party you can go to. Don't feel bad about not going yet. Just go. Don't be, I mean, there's a, there's a, a sense of conviction when we miss something, but be excited about, for all the good things that God has for you. And one of those is you don't have to grit your teeth so hard, but you can, and here's the key words, the last part of your message, is you can relax. Dallas Willard said, if there was one word that you could describe Jesus, it would be relaxed. Does that describe you? And when I say relaxed, I don't mean lazy, right? That's sometimes what comes like, oh, I'm relaxed. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit around. No, you can be relaxed and super effective. In fact, that's a posture of being relaxed is that you're trusting God. You're not worried. Jesus is sleeping in a boat in a storm because he's relaxed. You're not anxious about your future or pressures. You're paying attention to the Father and His will, and you're just trusting the Spirit to empower, guide, and comfort. One of my favorite professors um, down at Biola was a guy named Mike Wilkins, and then he was a professor at the seminary too. And he would say these quotes. I remember I had him for a New Testament class, Matthew, and I had the syllabus for taking notes in the class, but I would always, he'd, he'd just have these quotes. He was this, actually he was this uh, really cool surfer professor, and he was the department chair of School of Theology. So he was like high up in my book because he was good at two things that I liked. Uh, way better than I would ever be. But he would have these kind of just pithy comments come out of his mouth. And I'd write them down on the, on the blank side of the page so I'd remember them. They had nothing to do with class sometimes, but they were just really neat. But he said this one time, you know, these Bible students are, or seminary students are really serious about trying to become all that God's called them to be. They're going to change the world and all this stuff. And and he, he kind of comes to the side of it, kind of like this, kind of the side of the podium, and he said this, and I wrote it down. I'll never forget it. He said, don't take yourself too seriously. I'm like, what do you mean? Life is serious. I got to be serious for God. He says, don't take yourself too seriously. Take the work of God in your life very seriously. I'm like, oh, I get it. It's not about me. It's not about me even trying super hard. It's about relaxing and just following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And the work that he's doing, take that deadly serious. Be kind to yourself. Be relaxed. Let's pray. God, um, thanks that we got to sense a little bit of your love for us this morning through that song. Thank you for your word that gives us freedom. We are free, free indeed. Maybe enter into that freedom, into that peace, into your grace. And as a result, be good stewards of our bodies, of our lives. Be good stewards of our relationships. Help us to see ourselves as you do. So that you'd be proud of us. Help us to be relaxed as we follow you. Help us to be kind to ourselves. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.